Section 20 of the Underground Railroad, Part 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Casper. The Underground Railroad, Part 5 by William Still. Section 20. Portraits and Sketches. Thomas Shipley, Part 1. This account of the life of Thomas Shipley is abridged from a memoir by Dr. Isaac Parrish, published in 1837. Thomas Shipley, one of the foremost in the early generation of philanthropists who devoted their lives to the extinction of human slavery, was born in Philadelphia on the 2nd of 4th month, 1787. He was the youngest of five children of William and Margaret Shipley, his father having emigrated from Atoxeter in Staffordshire, England, about the year 1750. From a very early period in the history of the Society of Friends, his ancestors had been members of that body, and he inherited from them the strong sense of personal independence and the love of toleration and respect for the rights of others, which have ever characterized that body of people. Soon after his birth his mother died, and he was thus early deprived of the fostering care of a pious and devoted parent, whose counsels are so important in forming the youthful mind, and in giving a direction to a future life. A few years after the death of his mother, his father was removed, and Thomas was left an orphan before he had attained his sixth year. After this affecting event he was taken into the family of Isaac Bartram, who had married his eldest sister, here he remained for several years, acquiring the common rudiments of education, and at a suitable age was sent to West Town School. After remaining there for a little more than a year, he met with an accident which rendered it necessary for him to return home, and the effects of which prevented him from proceeding with his education. He fell from the top of a high flight of steps to the ground, and received an injury of the head, followed by convulsions, which continued at intervals for a considerable time, and rendered him incapable of any effort of mind or body. He was, during childhood, remarkably fond of reading, and was distinguished among his friends and associates for uncommon perseverance in accomplishing anything he undertook, a trait which peculiarly marked him through life. His disposition is said to have been unusually amiable and docile, so as to endear him very strongly to his relatives and friends. After his removal from West Town, he was again taken into the family of his brother-in-law, and remained under the care of his sister, who was very much attached to him, until he was placed as an apprentice to the hardware business. While here he was entirely relieved of the affliction caused by the fall, and was restored to sound health. About the age of twenty-one he entered upon the pursuits of the business he had selected. The exact time at which his attention was turned to the subject of slavery cannot be ascertained, but it is probable that a testimony against it was among his earliest impressions as a member of the Religious Society of Friends. He joined the Pennsylvania Society for the Promoting the Abolition of Slavery, etc., in 1817 and the ardent interest which he took in its objects was evinced on many occasions within the recollection of many now living. He was for many years an active member of its board of education, 
and took a prominent part in extending the benefits of learning to colored children and youth. The career of Thomas Shipley, as it was connected with the interests of the colored community, abounds in incidents which have rarely occurred in the life of any individual. Being universally regarded as their adviser and protector, he was constantly solicited for his advice on questions touching their welfare. This led him to investigate the laws relating to this class of persons in all their extended ramifications. The knowledge he thus acquired, together with his practical acquaintance with the business and decisions of our courts, rendered his opinion peculiarly serviceable on all matters affecting their rights. Never did a merchant study more closely the varied relations of business and their influence on his interests than did Thomas Shipley all those questions which concerned the well-being of those for whom he was so warmly interested. He had volunteered his services as their advocate, and they could not have been more faithfully served had they poured out the wealth of Croesus at the feet of the most learned counsel. On every occasion of popular commotion, where the safety of the colored people was threatened, he was found at his post, fearlessly defending their rights and exerting his influence with those in authority, to throw around them the protection of the laws. In the tumultuous scenes which disgraced Philadelphia in the summer of 1835, in which the fury of the mob was directed against the persons and property of the colored inhabitants, he acted with an energy and prudence rarely found combined in the same individual. The mob had collected and organized to the number of several hundred, and were marching through the lower part of the city, dealing destruction in their course. The houses of respectable and worthy colored citizens were broken in upon, the furniture scattered to the winds, all they possessed destroyed or plundered, and they themselves subjected to the most brutal and savage treatment. Defenseless infancy and decrepit age were alike disregarded in the general devastation which these ruffians had decreed should attend their course. The color of the skin was the mark by which their vengeance was directed, and the cries and entreaties of their innocent and defenseless victims were alike disregarded in the accomplishment of their ends. Already had several victims fallen before the fury of the ruthless band. Law and order were laid waste, and the officers of justice looked on, some perhaps with dismay, and others with indifference, while the rights of citizens were prostrated, and their peaceful and quiet homes invaded by the hand of violence. At such a time the voice of remonstrance or entreaty would have been useless, and had the avowed friends of the colored man interfered in any public manner, the effect would probably have been to increase the fury of the storm, and to have directed the violence of the mob upon themselves. Under these perilous circumstances, Thomas Shipley was determined to attempt an effort for their relief. He could not look on and see those for whom he was so deeply interested, threatened almost with extermination, without an effort for their preservation. And yet he was aware that his presence amongst the mob might subject him to assassination without adding to the security of the objects of his solicitude. He therefore determined to disguise himself in such a manner as not to be recognized, and to mingle amongst the rioters in order to ascertain their objects, and if possible to convey such information to the proper authorities as might lead to the arrest of those most active in fomenting disorder. Accordingly, he left his house late in the evening, attired so as to be completely disguised, and repaired to the scene of the tumult. By this time much mischief had been done, 
and to add fresh fury to the multitude and to incite them to new deeds of blood nothing was wanting but some act of resistance on the part of their victims who during the whole period had conducted themselves with a forbearance and patience highly creditable to them as good citizens and upright christians such an occasion was about to occur and was prevented by the admirable coolness and forethought of thomas shipley a number of colored men who had been driven to desperation by the acts of the mob and who had relinquished the idea of protection from the civil authorities determined to resort to arms to defend themselves and their families from the further aggressions of their persecutors they accordingly repaired to benezet hall one of their public buildings on south seventh street with a supply of firearms and ammunition determined to fire upon the assailants and maintain their post or die in the attempt this fact became known to the leaders of the mob and the cry was raised to march for the hall and make the attack thomas shipley who had mingled amongst the rioters and apparently identified himself with them was now perfectly aware of all their designs he knew their numbers he had seen their implements of destruction which they were brandishing about them and he was aware that the occurrence of such a conflict would be attended with the most disastrous results and might be the beginning of hostilities which would terminate in the destruction of the weaker party or at least in a dreadful effusion of human blood seeing the position in which the parties were now placed he left the ranks of the rioters and ran at the top of his speed to the house in which the colored people were collected awaiting the approach of their enemy as he drew near they were about coming out to meet their assailants highly excited by continued outrages and determined to defend themselves or die at this unexpected moment their protector drew nigh he raised his voice aloud and addressed the multitude he deprecated the idea of a resort to physical force as being calculated to increase their difficulties and to plunge them into general distress and entreated them to retire from the hall his voice was immediately recognized the effect was electric the whole throng knew him as their friend their fierce passions were calmed by the voice of reason and admonition they could not disregard his counsels he had come among them at the dead hour of night in the midst of danger and trial to raise his warning voice against a course of measures they were about to pursue they listened to his remonstrances and retreated before the mob had reached the building at this juncture the mayor and his officers assembled in front of the hall and by prompt and energetic action succeeded in dispersing the mob and through the information received from thomas shipley the ringleaders were secured and lodged in prison the part which thomas shipley acted in the trying scenes so often presented in our courts during this unhappy period has invested his character with a remarkable degree of interest it is probable that his connection with the pennsylvania abolition society was the means of enlisting his talents and exertions in this important service the energy and zeal of our friend in his efforts for the relief of those about to be deprived of their dearest rights soon distinguished him as the most efficient member of the society in this department of its duties so intense was his interest in all cases where the liberty of his fellow-men was at issue that during a period of many years he was scarcely ever absent from the side of the unhappy victim as he sat before our judicial tribunals trembling for his fate the promptings of interest the pleasures and allurements of the world the quiet enjoyment of a peaceful home were all cheerfully sacrificed when his services were demanded in these distressing cases 
often has he left the business in which his pecuniary interests were materially involved to stand by the unhappy fugitive in the hour of his extremity with an alacrity and a spirit which could only be displayed by one animated by the loftiest principles and the purest philanthropy who that has ever witnessed one of these trying scenes can forget his manly and honest bearing as he stood before the unrelenting and arrogant claimant watching with an eagle eye every step of the process by which he hoped to gain his victim who has not been struck with his expressive glances toward the judge when a doubtful point arose in the investigation of the case who has not caught the lively expression of delight which beamed from his countenance when a fact was disclosed which had a favorable bearing on the liberty of the captive who has not admired the sagacity with which his inquiries were dictated and the tact and acumen with which he managed every part of his cause his principle was unhesitatingly to submit to existing laws however unjust their decrees might be but to scan well the bearing of the facts and principles involved in each case and to see that nothing was wanting in the chain of evidence or in the legal points in question fully to satisfy the requisitions of law if a doubtful point arose he was unwearied in investigating it and devoted hours days and even weeks in the collection of testimony which he thought would have a favorable influence on the prisoner through his untiring vigilance many victims have escaped from the hand of the oppressor whose title to freedom according to the laws of this commonwealth was undoubted and many others whose enslavement was at least questionable the time and labor expended by thomas shipley in protecting the interests of his colored clients would be almost incredible to those who were not aware of his extraordinary devotion to the cause the only notice which can be found among his papers of the various slave cases in which he was engaged is contained in a memorandum book which he commenced in the summer of eighteen thirty five in this book he has noted in the order of their occurrence such instances of difficulty or distress as demanded his interference almost without a comment i find from this book that his advice and assistance were bestowed in twenty-five cases from seventh month sixteenth to eighth month twenty-fourth eighteen thirty six a period of little more than a month a number of these cases required the writing of letters to distant places in some it was necessary for him to visit the parties interested and others demanded his personal attendance at court this perhaps may be considered as a fair average of the amount of labor which he constantly expended in this department of his benevolent efforts and when we consider the time occupied in the necessary duties of his ordinary avocations it must be evident that he possessed not only extraordinary humanity but uncommon activity and energy to have accomplished so much in the memorandum book referred to under date of twelfth month eighteen thirty five i find the following note spent eighteen days in the trial of a hemsley and his wife nancy and her three children arrested at mount holly the husband claimed by goldsboro price executor of isaac boggs of queen anne's county maryland and the wife and children by richard d cooper of the same county john willoughby agent for both claimants b r brown and b clark attorneys for the claimant and d p brown j r slack e b cannon and g w Kemblos for defendants after a full argument in which a manumission was produced for nancy from r d cooper's father she and her children were discharged 
but her husband was remanded, on which a certiorari was served on the judge, and a habeas corpus placed in the sheriff's hands. Alexander was discharged by the Supreme Court at Trenton, third month, fifth. The circumstances of the case were briefly the following. The wife and children had been regularly manumitted in Delaware by the father of the claimant, while the title to the father to freedom was less positive, though sufficiently clear to warrant a vigorous effort on his behalf. The first object of the counsel on the part of the alleged fugitive was to prove the manumission of the mother and children, and as it was thought the necessary documents for that purpose were collected and arranged. After the trial had proceeded, however, for a short time, the attorney for the defendants discovered a defect in the testimony on this point. The necessary papers, duly authenticated by the governor or chief justice of Delaware, were missing, and without them it was impossible to make out the case. The fact was immediately communicated to Thomas Shipley. He saw that the papers must be had, and that they could not be procured without a visit to Dover in Delaware. He at once determined to repair thither in person and obtain them. Without the knowledge of the claimant's counsel, who might have taken advantage of the omission and hurried the case to a decision, he started on the evening of the sixth day and traveled as fast as possible to Dover, in the midst of a season unusually cold and inclement. On the next morning inquiries were made in all directions for friend Shipley. It was thought strange that he should desert his post in the midst of so exciting and momentous a trial, and at a time when his presence seemed to be particularly required. The counsel for the prisoners, who were aware of his movements, proceeded with the examination of witnesses as slowly as possible, in order to allow time for procuring this important link in the chain of testimony, and thus to procrastinate the period when they should be called upon to sum up the case. Fortunately, on the evening of the day on which Thomas Shipley set out upon his journey, it was proposed to adjourn, and farther proceedings were postponed until second day morning. At the meeting of the court in the morning, the expected messenger was not there, and the ingenuity of the counsel was taxed, still farther, to procrastinate the important period. After three hours had been consumed in debate upon legal points, he who was so anxiously looked for came hurrying through the crowd, making his way toward the bench. His countenance and his movements soon convinced the wondering spectators that he was the bearer of gratifying news and in a few minutes the mystery of his absence was revealed by the production of a document which was the fruit of his effort. The papers completely established the legal title of the mother and children to their freedom, and placed them out of the reach of further persecution. An attack of illness was the result of the extreme exertion and fatigue endured by this devoted man in his earnest advocacy of the rights of these friendless beings. End of section 20